We are in a, uh, we are in a, um, we've been in, a, in an Advent situation, for those of you who are guests, and we are going to return to the book of John next time I'm in the pulpit, which will be in two weeks. But, uh, but this is kind of rounding out, rounding out the Advent story, and this really isn't a Christmas text, really, honestly, but... Um, and it's appropriate, I think, for the new year as we're kind of past Christmas. This is kind of the next thing in Matthew, and it made sense to me. So let's, we're going to read it together. Uh, I'll read it, and then we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll, see, what, we'll see what we can get out of it. Uh, I will warn you, I will warn you that today's message is on repentance. So if you want to get out of here, you've got a window. You have a window right now if you want to run. And uh, not here, repent. So let's read this today from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the man that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. One time I preached on this and I had a chainsaw. And as I was reading this, I started the chainsaw during worship. I know, I know, it's kind of, I, I just be thankful I didn't do that today. All right, I don't think this Commonwealth Club would have appreciated it. Uh, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is greater than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. With the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Well, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let this happen now, because it is appropriate for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. I am very pleased with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, thanks be to God. Let me, let, me, let me ask and invite the Holy Spirit to come uh, into you and to me right now. Father, uh, we are, this text and these ideas and these words, they really, I, I, don't, I don't know what point or purpose they will have unless they are accompanied by your fire, by you, Holy Spirit, in me and in everyone, who, everyone here. 
Uh, I don't, uh, they, didn't, they, they don't need the words of a man. I don't need them. We need the words of our Father, of our God. And so speak to us. Lisp to us. Speak baby talk. Whatever it is we need to hear and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> All right, so last night I was at a wedding. And uh, there, was a, there was a woman I was telling uh, these guys about her. She's really a fascinating person. She's a friend of the, uh, of the, uh, of the groom. And uh, the, apparently he put her there. He seated her across from me, knowing full well that she was kind of crazy, and I was crazy, and we would get along. And she was right, and he was right. And uh, she, was, uh, she works for Capitol Records and produce. It's an amazing, amazing story. And she offered to give Tal and I tours of Capitol Records down in L.A. That sounded like fun. And she's a, fa- she's a fun, fun person to talk to. She was excited. She had heard about me and about the church. And she said, I would, I'm thinking about coming to church tomorrow. What are you preaching about? And she was literally in the middle of eating. And I said, oh, you're going to love it. Repentance. And she stopped and she went, and she literally stopped mid-bite. And like, and like, oh, oh, oh. And like, looked down. Who wants to talk or hear or think about repentance. Can you fix her? I mean, I should, have an, I should have a sandwich board, right? I should be out there, repent, repent. For the, and wait, can you picture it? Can you picture me doing that? Let, don't answer that. I, I, <laughs> but, but I have a voice for it. I have a, <laughs> is it something we should do? Is it something we should be out there doing? And so I, seeing her, the disconnect from her, this is a woman who who file external report to me is a Christian knows God, but hearing about repentance sounds scary. It sounds it sounds it sounds conf- confrontative, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound confrontational? Don't doesn't my voice sound confrontational when I say it? Doesn't there a little part of your heart that just kind of goes? Because <gasps> she'd stop saying repent. <laughs> she'd start saying it like that. But I was thinking about it. I think. Uh, I want to get away from that word. And the reason I want to get away from that word is not because it bugs you. I want to get away from that word because I think it actually gets in the way of us understanding the idea here. Imagine, though, it, well, let's look at the Greek and Hebrew. It's very, very easy to do this, very, very simple. Hebrew is so simple. Hebrew is very uh, tactile. It tends to have very earthy associations. So repent in Hebrew just means this, turn around. Every time in the Old Testament, there you hear a prophet talk about the repentance of the people, or all it, all it means, and all the Hebrew word is is to turn around. That's it. Do a U-turn, change direction. It really means to alter course to a different destination. And that, to me, that's that sounds more winsome, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound better than repent? How about this? Change. That's really all that. Now, let's go to the, let's go to the Greek. Greek, is, Greek actually has the word change in it. Metanoia. Change, meta, metamorphosis, change of form. Change, metanoia. Change your mind. Now, wait a second. Let's, let's back up. Imagine we, we were to retranslate, repent. Change, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's keep on going. Uh, change, bear fruit in keeping with change. Uh, they're baptized, let's see, I baptize you with water for what? For change. And all of a sudden, this idea of repentance, which can sound so confrontational, so in your face, so difficult, so thorny, so, so uh, uh, com- uh, full of conflict, is really now a message, an imperative, a command, a desire that, 
starts tugging on all of our desires. For who of us is not hungry for change? Who of us hasn't, like, hasn't opened the, the self-help books or tried to seek some way or some understanding of change? Or who of us is not, I mean, maybe you have and I have. I've enjoyed Tony Robbins. People go to him. You know why people go to him? Because they want to see change. They want to be better people than what they are. They want to, they want, maybe they just want to be better as business people, but they want an improvement. They want something that, oh, isn't that us? Is, is there one amongst us who doesn't want some sort of change in who we are? Some sort of change about our lives? And so once we see that, once we, once we take the word repent out, because it's laden with all these religious overtones that are so negative, all of a sudden it becomes something I want. Wait a second, I want that. I want change, don't you? Don't you? So all I want to do today is, is say we must change. That's it. That's really what this text We have to change. There must be change. God has come into the world to say, you must all change. We, there must be a change. And that's all I want to look at today. And what I'm hoping to do is we will, and I, I'm hoping we'll do is, with the scripture, is we will pull from God's word truth. And let's see what we can do, what we will find out. Because we must change. And let's begin right off the door. All I'm going to do is op- I want to open God's word to you so you can hear it. Repent. Now, this first word is an imperative. You've heard me talk about this before. Imperatives don't exist in English. Not in the same way. that We don't have an imperative voice. We don't have a way of I, I, taking a verb, and you, when you see it, the only verb that might work that way is the verb stop, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but, and, but we can misunderstand stop as a noun, too. It can be a noun. So it doesn't really... But there's an actual voice, an ending with an eh on it, which... Uh, Hey there, which, which uh, has, has a tremendous force to it in the actual way the voice. The, the, so what we have to do in our language, and I didn't do it in this translation, is we need to put an exclamation point. And that's the best way I can think of that we can annotate and get some of the force behind it. And a lot of the translations don't do this. But then, so let's hear, the, let's hear it again. Change. <laughs> that's it. Ooh, what is Okay, I, now you can see that without the, without the religious overtones of repentance words, why he got a crowd. People want to change. People are agitated for change. People are desirous for change. And we'll see more about why. So right out the gate, though, I want you to understand the call that God has made for change is a command. What do you do with this? So God has commanded you, Gina, change. Every one of you, me included. And it is a command. Uh, the reason I, 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 we're not going to understand anything that's going on here. We're not going to be able to move towards blessedness or I think spiritual awakening until we see the necessity of this as a command. The necessity of this being delivered to us as a moral imperative. And I'll explain why. Because it's a moral imperative that never leaves you. Never, never leaves, never escapes you, never, never goes out of your life. Repent. Why are we repenting? And the next part that we see, we open up repentance. We open up change. And God is asking us, he's requiring us to change. And he tells us almost right away why. Because it prepares things. I, and and this, this, is, this is something that, that in a sense, this whole repentance thing we're doing here, everything we want to talk about, your need to change, and then the command that comes is meant to be a preparatory 
a preparatory work. And it's, it's settling the ground. It's taking Simon's heart and its hardness, its, its arrogance, its, 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 uh, its selfishness. Am I dead on? Yeah. And uh, I know you because you're just like me. It's taking all that. And when the command comes, it prepares you. Because what are you doing is, is it opens you up to see how much you need change. You see? There's a preparation that happens by merely getting this out there because it begins to agitate you. How am I going to change? What am I going to change? Where am I going to change? I tried changing. Haven't you? You've, we both tried it and failed. What do you do with that? And so a lot of, so there's a preparatory thing. It opens up a door for what? For the coming of Christ and for his work to be realized in your soul and spiritual awakening to flower in your consciousness. Follow me here. The next part. What's the next part of, 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 of change? Confessing their sins. How many times I've, how many business books I've read where they talk about how an organization can't change until it gets honest about the dysfunction and failure that's happening in its ranks, right? In other words, companies can't change, organizations can't change. We can't change until we've identified What's broken, right? And articulated. And this becomes a theme for God's call for change in the whole world and transformation is everybody who would come to him must come to him with the moments of honesty, the honest appraisal of the constant failure of your heart, the honest appraisal of all the things you didn't do and all the things you have done. It's the confessing. And in and, 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 and spiritual life, this flowers in personal relationship. Deepak and I, Deepak confesses his sin. I confess my sin to him. That is the nature of our intimacy. And you know what? That intimacy is, is constantly in the kingdom. Why? Because in the call to change, it, when we are honest with each other and honest with our father and honest with ourselves, what have we done? We've opened up, we're continuing to open up that door to change, to transformation. This is why every week we confess our sins, not as a therapeutic way for you to feel better about yourself. I hope you feel, I often feel restored when I confess. And it has that byproduct. But you, you hear me, we cannot come to God without him calling to us. You must change to come to me, Miguel. You must change. Well, I've got to identify what I think what needs changing. And that's confession. Let me tell you the value. Some of you have hid private sins, secret sins, and you're sick because of it. There's a sickness in the people of God because we don't have freedom to confess. This is dangerous. And it sidesteps the coming of God's kingdom. Let's look at the next thing. Bear fruit in keeping. With repentance. Now, this is where Greek has this wonderful, um, has these tenses that it arranges, and this is actually continuous action. Continuous action. Bear, you hear it. You, you can hear it in the in uh, keeping, and, and 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 so this idea of continue. What are we being invited to here? And what does John know? And I don't know how John knows it except by the Holy Spirit that repentance and this idea of change is a lifestyle. He's bear keeping, bear fruit in keeping with. Sometimes we are here, you need to change to come to God or repent. And we explain why that and how that happens because it's beautiful. It's right here in this text. But sometimes we'll hear this and we'll be like, oh, I, I, re I did repent when I came to God. 
or I did, re- I did repent of that sin. I changed. And what we're not, what we feel to hear, we f- and Tertullian is one of the famous ancient church father who coined this, and I love it. I want to get a tattoo after condemning my, about my son. Not on my hand, though. Right, between, right across my chest. I'm sorry, honey. I know you don't, don't approve. And I wanted, I wanted to say, born to repent. That sounds kind of cool. I can, no, you know, all right. No, no, no pro approval. But I picture it in Gothic biker, biker script. Born to repent. That's what Tertullian said. And what did he understand there? What did he grasp as he honestly looked at his life? He sinned again. You confessed your pride, then you were proud again. You confessed your anger, then you were angry again. Every one of us, every one of us has experienced the reality of sin returning like a roaring fire into our heart. No sooner have we confessed it and run for it, than we're back in it. We're back in the food trough. We're back in the slop. We're back in the, in the, in that, in the, in the, in the, in the problem. Why? Well, what are we to do with that? Hear what change looks like in the kingdom. Trust what the scriptures tell you about change in the kingdom. What is change? It's a process. Keep fruit and keep bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What do we learn next? I, I, as I was kind of opening the scriptures with this, it, it began to work in my heart. I want spiritual awakening as much as you do, as earnestly as you do. I don't have it all the time. And so when I come to this, do not presume. Oh, I love this. Because what's being told me about, about it right now? Look at how, 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 how strong his language is. He's talking to religious people who said they have Abraham as their father. And then he goes on to this amazing immediacy. Even now the ax is laid at the trees. He's talking to the most religious and best people of his generation. He is talking to the most spiritually aware and, and, and informed people of his generation. And his words are the harshest. You know what's funny? The scriptures don't even talk to hookers like that. They don't talk to people like that. Who, you know who the scriptures talk like that to? Religious people who think they don't need a savior. So what's going on here? Don't I presume. What is this call to change that comes from God that we must change? Who does it go to? It goes to everyone. There are no exceptions. There can be no exceptions. And this is our treasure. You, do you realize what a treasure this is? God is calling everyone to change, to repent. Why is this such a treasure to us? Because it means it applies to you as much as it does to the person you think is bad. How many of you, when I say somebody, you, people need to repent, have somebody in mind that you, could, you think should repent? Oh, come on, every one of us has got, yeah, yeah, well, there's actually that guy, Steve, yeah. Gosh, I wish he was here. How many of you are sitting here thinking, man, I wish that so-and-so was here to hear a sermon about repentance because he really needs to. Has anybody done that yet in their heads? We've already done it. Of course we do that. And the minute we do it, the minute we identify somebody who must repent, what have we done? We've unmasked ourselves because we thought we didn't need to repent and we missed the opportunity for transformation, for what we're so hungry for, because we're busy trying to figure out how other people could change or might change or should change. When all the while, this treasure is so beautiful. I was at Phil's recently, and Phil's has this sign in their, in their, in their, in their uh, right, right in the kitchen, and right, there, right, over the, right behind the baristas. And the sign has a big all, A-L-L, and that's in big capital letters. And to the right of the all sign is a list, genders, creeds, uh, orientations, 
uh, race, ethnic, at all. And, and, and the idea here that's so alive in San Francisco, that's such a part of our new culture, and, so, and I think it's something beautiful, is this idea that we ought to be protecting and about everybody. Everybody ought to have equal access to certain rights and privileges. And we ought to all be protecting everybody's rights. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's a distinctively Christian idea. See, in the ancient world, the assumption was everybody's different and our people are better than everybody else's. Everybody thought that. Racism was actually uh, a, a, something you believed in because you believed in your people. You didn't have any vision for others. Christianity comes and it levels everybody. It levels the righteous and the unrighteous. It levels the black and the white and the, it levels the poor and the rich. It levels everything. Gay, straight, uh, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. All must be, period. And the reason this is so powerful for us is we must never call this city to change unless we have heard it ourselves, you see? We stand with them, right? We stand with our generation. We stand with this time. We stand with everybody we would condemn. And we need to change as much as they do. Nobody is exempt. This is essential. Because you, you realize we are not allowed to pick on particular sins as Christians. We're not allowed to say, ooh, that person's worse than that person. That's forbidden to us. Do not what? Presume. For this is the sin of Christians, and it will send you straight into judgment. Christianity means nothing unless it is spiritually awakened Christianity and living life of God. Otherwise, it doesn't produce any change. And finally, I baptize you with water for repentance. I baptize you with water for repentance. Um, there's something about this idea of baptism and what it does is total cleansing of the person. For not only must all, must all come and change. And I want to end with this one final point about repentance, change. And that is this. If there is one thing in your life that you would not hand over to God in obedience, then Christ is useless to you. Let me repeat that. The call to change is absolute, Patty. You have no choice about every second of your life and everybody you've ever known or met. if there's one part or thing we would hold back from change and his change, then Christ is useless to us. For it must be all of you and all of the people in the world. The call is universal, total, and complete. It is what we need. Ah, wow. Golly, I'm convicting myself. All right, uh, that's enough conviction, isn't it? Let's get, let's, let's amp it up. Let's get, let's get a little worse. Let's go a little first, further because uh, John the Baptist just doesn't talk about change. He talks about why we need to change. In fact, he places an interesting motive in front of us and the motive being fire. <sighs> so, um, I hate it when I'm... Uh, when I'm uh, talking about this stuff and I don't know what everybody in the room thinks about it. Like I wanna know what every single person thinks about fire and unquenchable fire. 
before I talk about it. I want that. I want to have that blessed kind of place where I know what you think and how you handle this kind of stuff because what I'm about to say is terrifying. And that is from Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. I want you to follow something here. It's very, very tempting to hear John's words and identify fire as something God does, maybe, or something that's outside of him. Maybe fire, fire, uh, the fire that transforms or the fire that judges. But that would be to miss something essential. You cannot meet this God without him being a consuming fire. That's who he is. You see, as the scriptures open up, we can discover that this God, we saw it in the, if you looked in the call to worship in Psalm 2, his wrath is kindled an instant. There is a dynamic and there is a dimension to this God that he must, in his desire for justice, call you to change. Call you to change or what? Or else. There's a, there's a judgment. It's interesting. Look at, you, see, you, see, you see that the trees are thrown into the fire and then he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and then he will burn those who are in, under judgment he uses the image of, of uh, uh, an image of harvest. He will burn with unquenchable fire. So are these two different kinds of fire? Are these separate kinds? And I would say no, because our God is a consuming fire. And so you will meet God. And I, I, I promise you this. I am, I'm going to wash my hands of you, Gina. I'm going to wash my hands forever. I mean this sincerely, because you will meet this God. He is a fire. Now, you can meet him now as a fire that transforms, right? Or you can meet him as a fire that judges. It's the same God. Change. Change each one of you for the hope of your souls and the reward of his love. Change because fire is inevitable. And it is either the fire of creation of new creation, as you are spiritually made alive in him, as your mind fundamentally goes, you know what happened to my father? My dad was a Buddhist and a Jew. He was sitting with a Baptist pastor, and the Baptist pastor, he told the Baptist pastor about his love for Buddhism and his attractions to Zen. Something fascinating happened in that conversation as the hours wound down that night in 1974. Because that pastor looked at my dad and he said, Craig, I've loved getting to know you. I have loved listening to you. And my father has a mellifluous, wonderful voice to listen to. He said, but I've got, to, I've got to tell you something. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you're going to go to hell. My dad, an IQ north of 160, articulate, interesting person, said, he, I remember he tells the story that he was expecting an argument, and instead he got the truth. And it smashed him. He said his mind, his intellect, he knew as he heard that man speak that it was the truth. And some of you, as I'm speaking, you know in your heart, that's true. I know what he's saying is true. I know it. And that's the Holy Spirit breathing. Welcome to the fire of new creation in him. Amen. But you see, it's one or the other. And my father heard that truth. And that truth can be heard when the Holy Spirit equips you. And that's where we're going next. But this idea of the fire, you know, I, I'm ha I, you know, it's, it's a part of me. Isn't there a part of you too that, of this teaching that 
I want it to be about blood and fire. There's something elemental, isn't there, about the idea that a God can't be conquered or tamed or, or limited. Or, it's, he's, there's a terror that is, that, that is paired with awe and worship in this portrayal of God as consuming this way. It makes me fall down in awe that that same fire of judgment is now a fire of renewal for me because I'm one of his sons and I know Jesus because Jesus came to not just to command change Jesus came to bring that change let's look at that that's the next place this text goes for the for as as it says as the text amps it up as, as John as John comes down the pike as he comes down with this really tough message turn or burn essentially right you've heard that you've heard turn or burn you ever heard that? Well, you heard it now. <laughs> and you hear that, that expression. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the 21st century in San Francisco. I can't preach like that, can I? I must preach like that <laughs> because of the next part, because of where it goes, because of the joy that is mine and yours in who Christ is, because he's everything. He baptizes with the Spirit. He fulfills all righteousness. The Father is pleased with him. And this is our rescue. So right in the midst of this, God says to you, Patty, you must change. <laughs> and here's the change I give. I transform. I baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Where does spiritual awakening lay for you? Where is it hidden? Where is the treasures of a new heart and a new life and a new perspective wait for you? It waits for you in the work of Jesus Christ as he anoints and moves into a man's heart and mind, a woman's heart and mind, and makes a new creature, a new creature of his own design, a new creature who wants change. You know, it's funny something happens here. We're all hungry for change, but we don't know where to start. We're all hungry to have a new person. We love to be a new person. It would be great to be a new person, totally remade and redone, but we don't know how to get there. So in these shows on TV, somebody helps you, right? <laughs> in those makeover shows, it's somebody else's expertise and ability and resources that come to bear for somebody poor and, and, and ugly, and they become beautiful. And I, I don't know if they come rich or not. Uh, we need there needs to be where, where we find the agency. And what is the promise here? I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Christ has come to make new people. Change has begun. It happened when we baptized grace. Happened in about, it's happening around us. Change comes by the presence of Christ. Uh, I, I, uh, it, was, uh, it was Augustine who said, God, tell me whatever you want me to do. Ordain what you want, but then ordain that I do it. <laughs> like, like, sure, Father, you can command, this God can command change. And he does command change unilaterally, unconditionally, immediately before all of mankind. And then he says, <laughs> I will ordain the change myself. Come to my son. Do you hear it? Can you hear it in your heart right now? Come to my son. Kiss the son lest he be angry. Kiss him. Get him. Know him. Because he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And you hear John. John knows. John knows. He knows he shouldn't even be baptized by this person. How could he be? Why? Because not only does Jesus create change and, 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 and create the enlightenment. What does he do? He becomes all your righteousness. Yeah, something happens here. This is a weird moment. 
uh, John knows who Jesus is. He's like, wait a second, I can't baptize you. Baptism's for dirty people. Baptism is for dirty people. That's the assumption, right? You need washing. You need change. Why does Christ say, baptize me? And then he said, and John knows this is all wrong. This is all wrong. This can't work. What does he, what does he, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, so, so John, John is frightened. He, you know, I can't even carry your shoes. And he, and he can't do this because John knows he's a sinner. John knows he's ruined. What does, what's going on here? You need a washing for your washing. Can I follow it again? You need a washing for your washing. Your baptism is junk. Because it comes from you as a sinful person being done by a sinful person with a bunch of sinful people around and we cannot even cleanse or we can't even claim his holy love for ourselves without what? Without him doing it first. Without him coming in love. Without his precious condescension. Do you know what happened to my dad that day? My dad that day as he was confronted by the truth of God's love and judgment. The Holy Spirit baptized him. He'll tell you, to this day, he still doesn't understand it. He had no context of relationship except for antagonism and hatred towards Christianity. A Jew and a Buddhist and nothing else. And he was crushed by the truth because the Holy Spirit got in there. All right, so what's happening here? God washes our washing, and I love him for it. He is a complete salvation. What am I talking about here? Remember how I said all those absolutes that if you hold one thing back from God that you won't repent of, then Christ is useless to you. Ah, but if you think there's one thing you can add to your salvation, to your rescue, and to his love, if you think there's one thing you can do to earn it, Christ is also useless to you. We're caught in a paradox of uselessness here. Do you care? <laughs> because on the one hand, unless we surrender all, we cannot know him. And in fact, we're playing games with knowing him and we're treating him like a chump. And somehow we can negotiate and give him part and take back part. We cannot do that with God. He is a consuming fire. <laughs> he will not be dealt or trucked with that way. He will not come to you that way. But in the same way, he won't come to you if you have anything that you think you can offer for your own righteousness. Oh, did I knock something over? Is it water or is it coffee? Tea. Tea. Uh, you want to go get some napkins? Um, I'm a walking disaster area. To fulfill all righteousness. So this final, the final gift here, the final joy, the final thing that kind of comes is the comfort that God's love solves the very problem that God's justice creates. God's love solves the very problem that God's justice creates in Christ as all righteousness and all your hope. Uh, you know, my heart, I want to go here and, and, uh, and get you excited about it. Um, uh, oh, let's end with this. This is my beloved son. I'm very well pleased with him. And the passage from Romans 3.22, you can see how Romans and Matthew work so well together. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe there is no distinction. Very, very powerful concept in the scripture. There's no distinction. But this last one, why does in the end, 
All right, Christ is the authentic, is the, is the authentic author of change by spiritual enlightenment. Not only does he create change, he gives us all of his goodness and righteousness. And then this final mysterious conversation. All right, look, all right. I know some of you don't agree with my worldview. You don't believe that there's a trinity and there's a God and all that. I know some of you don't believe that. That's fine. But walk into my worldview for just a moment as a skeptic. If God is a trinity and you have the spirit descending like a dove, that's one member of the trinity, and Jesus is standing there, that's the other member, and then a voice calls out, this is my son, my beloved son, I am very pleased with him, that's the third member. And there's an idea here in this baptismal inaugurative moment that the Trinity is fully engaged. Everything that God is, is involved with saving everything that you are. Everything that God is, is involved with saving it's the work of salvation, right? Why do we need to hear what they're saying to each other? I'm serious about this. Why, why do we need to hear it? If this is a conversation that God, if this, I think the answer is fairly obvious. This isn't for God. This isn't for Jesus. This is for you. This is for us. Why? Why? Well, because I want you to hear, and Jesus wants you to hear, and the Holy Spirit can make you hear that this is what God says when he looks on Sidwin. That's one of my sons, my beloved sons. You know what? I'm pleased as punch with him. Oh, wait, there's another. This is one of my daughters. I, this is one of my beloved daughters. I, I am pleased. I'm so happy when I look at, wait a second. Who is this? Who is this? I look at now. Who is this? But my, so what we're doing, we're being invited into that conversation because that's where change is forged in the eternity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is purchased in Christ's blood and it is given and delivered to you in the love of God. And you guess what happens when you start living in that love? You start to change. In fact, I'll warrant you'll see change you never suspected you could see. You see a change in your affections, a change in your desires, a change in your goal, a change in your trajectory, a change in your very personhood. In the end, the beautiful story here is that this is what you can come to God today this way. Help me to begin, to begin. Have you ever felt like you didn't even know how to get started? Have you ever felt in the moment like you feel paralyzed by sin, guilt, shame, inability, fear, doubt, uncertainty? Of course you have. We all have. And we're all hungry, ravenous for change. And now it's being offered to us for free. With a free and abundant love that declares change. And that declaration, that movement, that baptism, that angle, that righteousness, guess what? It starts working in you. It starts, and it starts working out of you. And all of a sudden, you say an F-bomb, and you're like, I really don't like the way that sounds in my mouth. Or you're, I, look, you all know I'm always repenting of my language. I have the mouth of a sailor. But I get convicted about it. I want change. Do you want change? Guess what? We have come to the God who commands it, creates it, enables it, ennobles it, and makes it happen amongst his people. Praise him. For this kind of work and this radical work that's being described here is the treasure for every one of you to have. So, you know, I, I don't know if Paula would have been encouraged or not uh, in her fear about <laughs> hearing about repentance, right? But I hope that you're not afraid anymore.
I hope that you're so hungry, you're so desirous, you're so eager, you're so wanting change and transformation. You'll cry out to this God for a baptism by the Holy Spirit that you could never control that comes outside of your consciousness, mind, will, and heart and works in you. And it can happen today. Cry out to him today. Praise him today. Call on him today. Call on him for your friends. Call on for one another. For this is his work. This is what he's doing. Repent. Amen, right? Change us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> I love you, Father. And I thank you for your word. Oh, I feel like I'm the one who needs to change more than anybody else. I, so many things need to change in me. I want to see change. I'm hungry for it, Father. Jesus, come and do that work. <laughs> I'm not the only one. My people want change. Our city wants change. Our generation, our country. I'm so hungry to see some sort of change. Then, Father, let this be the beginning of change. Then let the Holy Spirit come. Come and create a revival and a renewal and a washing and a work like we have not seen in a good long time. We ask that for ourselves. We ask it for our neighbors. We ask it for our city, our friends. We ask it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <sighs> On the night he was betrayed. Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you, take and eat. And the same way he also took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, take and drink. All right, you know the drill here. Uh, you add nothing to this table, this table's completely gone. And this is God's winnowing work in the world it really is this is winnowing and harvesting work of love in the world right now in this table okay so hear me now because if you can hear it as clear as possible do not presume it was in the text do not presume what do i begin with i am going to put up a fence here some people must not come to this table and it's essential you not come to this table if you think you're a good person i repeat if you think you're a good person you are unworthy of the blood and the fire. Remember what, what's, part of, what's part of change? Admitting you're a sinner. Admitting you're messed up. Admitting who you really are opens up God's, God's love and grace. So <laughs> you have to come to this table the same way. So good people are not permitted. Only sinners who have put their trust in the whole total righteousness of Jesus. Amen? That's what I want. That, and if that's you, then get to this table. If you're a visitor, get to this table. Because that's your, that's your hope. That's your hope for change. It's his power and his baptism and his life and his glory and his purity. Amen. <laughs> but if you're a good person, I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a church you can go to somewhere. But it's not this one. But finally, maybe you're a skeptic today. Maybe as you watch and you hear me claim these things, you're like, man, it's very obvious that this guy believes what he says, and it's very obvious to me that I don't. I respect that. <laughs> if any of you are skeptics and think that my claims are not substantiated this day, then I, 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 would, I would invite you to further discussion. Because I believe that I can hold my own in these conversations about the legitimacy of theistic belief and its truth and its earnestness. Okay, sure, Chris, that's great. But if you're a skeptic today, I just ask that you watch us worship. And maybe you'll be provoked. Man, I wish I could know God like that. 
And maybe you're hearing Jesus for the first time today, and you don't even know what to do with it. You hear the call to come. Then just keep, just keep, just keep cherishing that work of God. All right, uh, that's, that's it. Let's stand. Uh, we do our Apostles' Creed by which we enumerate and we sense list all of our actual claims. We believe these are historic space-time claims that actually happen. It's not a myth. What do you, Christian brother and sister, what do you believe? Because I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Come.